Good morning, church. Good to be with you in here this morning. Uh, our scripture reading that we're focusing on today comes from the book of Acts, from chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, and here's what it says. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So there was a mother who was having some difficulty with her young daughter. You see, the mother had told the, the girl several times that she needed to clean up her room, but every time that the girl tried to do what her mother asked, she would get distracted by some toy or another and start playing, and she wouldn't get anything cleaned up. None of you have ever experienced this, right? So the mother was getting pretty aggravated with her daughter, but then she remembered this prayer retreat that she had gone to recently where she learned that if you're having difficulty with something, you should take a moment, stop what you're doing, just focus on God, pray about it, confess to God the struggles that you're having, ask Jesus to help you. The woman decided that not only was that a good thing for her to do in this situation, but this would be a perfect opportunity for her to teach her daughter to do the same thing. So the woman and her daughter both sat down on the bedroom floor, and the woman led her daughter in prayer, praying about the difficulty that she was having in getting her room cleaned up. And she had the girl pray to Jesus, asking him to help her with this problem. Following the prayer, the girl seemed happy, calm, assured. The mother was proud of herself for teaching her little girl this spiritual skill, and the mom exited the room, left the girl to her task. Ten minutes later, the mother came back in the room. I'm sure you can guess what she found, right? It was still just as messy as before. Nothing had been cleaned up. The child was still sitting on the floor, not doing anything. Completely exasperated, the woman snapped at her daughter, What are you doing? And the girl shot back, I'm waiting for Jesus to come clean up my room. As Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples stood there watching. The Bible doesn't say that their mouths were gaping open, but I have to imagine their mouths were gaping open, right? As they stood there staring into heaven, watching Jesus taken up by a cloud out of sight. Then two men in white robes, probably angels, stood with them and said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. A couple things about that. First of all, what a silly question. 
I don't know about you, but if I saw a man being lifted into the air, not in a plane, not in a helicopter, not in any kind of contraption whatsoever, just being lifted up into thin air, carried by a cloud up, up and out of sight, I would be standing there staring up at the sky for a while. I mean, it wouldn't even have to be anything as miraculous as that. If I had seen Lawn Chair Larry floating up in the sky, you remember Lawn Chair Larry? 41 years ago, a truck driver named Larry Wal Walters strapped 43 helium-filled weather balloons to his lawn chair. He expected the contraption to, to take him up about 100 feet. Instead, it took him to a height of 16,000 feet. His flight inspired the extreme sport of cluster ballooning, which you see here. Kids, don't try this at home. This, this is very dangerous. Larry was arrested. He was fined. You don't want to do this. But if I see someone floating up in the sky like that, I'm going to be staring up at them for as long as I possibly can. Jesus didn't have 43 weather balloons strapped to him. He just lifted up into the sky. I wish I could picture, I, I wish I could see what that looked like. Here's a, a, a painting of one, one artist's rendering of what they imagined that would look like, but it just, it doesn't look very realistic to me. Any, all of the paintings and pictures that I found of the ascension of Jesus, they all look somewhat cartoonish. I, I can't even imagine what it looked like in real life. But I do know this, if I had been there with the disciples, I can guarantee you I would have been gazing into heaven right alongside them, wouldn't you? Why do you stand there looking into heaven? Indeed, how could they not stand there looking into heaven? But then the angel said something that would make me want to stare up in the sky even longer. They said, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Oh, I'm going to stay and see that. You mean to tell me he's going to come back down on a cloud just the same way as he went up? I'm not going to miss that. I'm going to stand there staring into heaven with my mouth gaping open for as long as it takes. But clearly that was not the response that the angels were looking for. Clearly, standing around doing nothing but staring into heaven, waiting for his return, is not what Jesus was expecting from his disciples. Doing nothing but waiting for his return is not what Jesus expects of any of us either. This passage that we're looking at today, the event that we refer to as the ascension of Jesus, it comes 40 days after Easter, Acts 1-3 says Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. During that, 40, that period of 40 days, beginning on the day of the resurrection, Jesus presented himself alive to his followers in bodily form, proving to them that he had been raised from the grave just as he said he would be. Throughout this sermon series, Alive, we've been reading all of the gospel accounts of the risen Jesus appearing to his followers. There were probably many others that he, he appeared to them during the, the 40 days that, that aren't right, written in the Bible. John says that there wouldn't be room to record all of the amazing things that Jesus did. Did he appear to them every single one of those 40 days? I don't know. I don't think so, considering that even in some of the later appearances, like when the disciples were back in Galilee, 
They seemed surprised every time Jesus showed up. Probably wasn't a daily occurrence. But it was enough to answer their questions, to speak into their doubts, to strengthen their faith, to prepare them for the challenges ahead. Preparing them for the challenges ahead, the challenges of ministry. That's what this period of 40 days was all about. It's a significant number in the Bible, 40. A 40-day flood in the time of Noah before, he, before the world got its new start. Moses on the mountain for 40 days before receiving the Ten Commandments. Elijah fasting 40 days before confronting Jezebel and King Ahab. Jesus fasting in the wilderness for 40 days, being tested by Satan before beginning his public ministry. All of these 40-day periods in the Bible were seasons of preparation. And so it is with these resurrection appearances. Jesus presented himself alive to his disciples over a season of 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God. Why? To prepare them. To prepare them for what comes next, to get them ready to carry out the great commission, which we heard about last week, so that when Jesus's physical presence was no longer with them, they would be ready to press on in his spiritual presence and get to work. For the previous three years, the disciples had been following Jesus everywhere they went, physically following him. They could see him, they could hear him, they could touch him. They could walk along beside him or behind him. They never had to worry about where they were going or what they were going to do because Jesus was always there to lead them. Then, suddenly he wasn't there anymore. In his arrest and his crucifixion, Jesus was taken away from them. And for a few days, they were lost. They were hopeless. They didn't know what to do with themselves. So they hid. Then, miraculously, Jesus came back. He was raised. He is alive. He was with them once again. Once again, they could see him and hear him and touch him. Once again, they could go wherever he told them to go and do whatever he told them to do. But then he was taken away again. This time, not by a cross, but by a cloud. I'd imagine that for some of them, it must have been tempting to sit down on the ground and just wait. Just wait. And when someone asked them what they were doing sitting there on the ground, they would say, I'm waiting for Jesus. I'm waiting for Jesus to come back and direct me. I'm waiting for Jesus to come clean things up, clean up my life, clean up this world. And I'm going to sit here and wait until he does. That is clearly not what Jesus intended his disciples to do. That's not what, what he was preparing them for all along, and it's not what he intends for us either. He was preparing his disciples for something, for going out and doing his work in the world. And he's been preparing us for that as well. During Jesus' last supper with his disciples, the night before he was crucified, Jesus had told them, I am going to him who sent me, because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
but if I go, I will send him to you. When Jesus told his disciples that he was going away, he wasn't just talking about the arrest and crucifixion. That was part of it. Yes, he had to go through that. But more than that, he was talking about his ascension. He said, I am going to him who sent me, to God, to the Father. I'm going back to my Father in heaven. And, he says, it is to your advantage that I go. Now, I'm sure that the disciples, when they stood there watching Jesus ascend into heaven, I'm sure that they did not feel in that moment like it was to their advantage that he was leaving them. But the thing is, he wasn't actually leaving them. In body, yes, physically he was going away. They wouldn't be able to see and touch him any longer. But like he told them in the passage we read last week from Matthew 28, he wouldn't actually be gone. Remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Prior to the ascension, that wasn't the case. Prior to the ascension, the disciples only had Jesus with them when he chose to appear to them. They could see him, yes, but only at certain times. Following the ascension, it was not only when Jesus chose to show up that the disciples could know that he was there. It was always, always, I am with you, always. No longer is the presence of Jesus confined by time and space. His spiritual presence is everywhere, always. That is why he could say it was to their benefit and ours that he was going away. The reality of his spiritual presence would come powerfully upon the disciples in just a matter of days. Therefore, wait in Jerusalem, Jesus told them, for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He was, of course, speaking of Pentecost, which would come ten days later, when the disciples would experience that outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon them. That's also what he was talking about at the Last Supper when he said, but if I go... I will send the helper to you. The helper, the comforter, the paraclete, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God. Because Jesus was no longer with them in body, he would now and forever be with them in spirit. They might have thought at that moment when they saw Jesus being lifted into the air and taken out of their sight into heaven, they may have thought that he was leaving them on their own. But the truth is they would never be on their own ever again. His spirit would be with them and within them always. And because of that, because of that, they need not stand around doing nothing but looking up at the sky, waiting for Jesus to come back down. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the everlasting presence and power of Christ within them, they would be able to go out and do the work of Jesus to fulfill the commission that he had placed upon them. It's true, the angels did say that Jesus would return in the same way 
that the disciples saw him go. It's true that Jesus himself spoke about the Son of Man one day returning and putting all things to rights. Some Christians, though, get so focused on the second coming of Jesus that they completely miss the fact he has given us something to do in the meantime. Sometimes we Christians act as if all that's expected of us in this fallen world that we live in is to sit in the middle of a big mess and wait for Jesus to come clean it all up. We look at the mess we've made of the environment and we say, well, when Jesus comes back, he'll clean it up. We look at the mess we've made of society and we say, when Jesus comes back, he'll clean it up. We hear news of yet another mass shooting and yet more violence and hatred and prejudice run rampant in our world. And we say, when Jesus comes back, he'll clean it up. Now, it's perfectly true that when Jesus comes back, he will clean it all up. But that doesn't mean that he expects us to sit on the floor doing nothing while we wait for him to come do all the work for us. He expects us to get to work now. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit, to empower us to go out and do the work of Jesus. This passage makes it perfectly clear, just as the entire Bible makes it perfectly clear that God does not want us sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back and clean up our mess. We have Jesus with us now. We have the Holy Spirit in us now. We have holy work to do now. Jesus expects us, expects us to actively pursue mercy and to work for justice in our society. Not because we can fix things on our own, we can't. But that, that's just the point, we're not on our own. We have never been on our own. He is with us and he is within us, showing us the way, giving us the power to do the work that he has given us to do. Jesus expects us, expects us to make personal sacrifices so that others might live and share in his blessings. Jesus expects us to take responsibility for the planet that he has placed into our care, for the neighbors that he has placed around us. Jesus expects us to be peacemakers and kingdom workers, to not be overcome by the powers of this world, but to live by his power, to not be undone by the ways of this world, but to live according to his kingdom principles. Jesus has given us a commission to do something with our lives, to make a difference, to help usher in his kingdom, to spread his love. And he is coming back. He's going to know. He's going to know if you did it or not. Are you just standing around staring up into heaven? You've heard the expression, don't be so heavenly-minded that you're no worldly good. God has put you in this world for a reason. He has work for you to do here, now. Are you sitting on the floor waiting for him to come clean up your messes? Or are you claiming the power that he gives you through the Holy Spirit to live life according to his expectations, to minister to others in his name, to make a difference in this world. Why do you stand looking toward heaven? Jesus is with you right here.
right now. Let's get to work in his name.